Prepare for the holidays with your local holiday headquarters, Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. Whether you're looking to prepare for a big holiday feast or looking to grab some party platters, Hy-Vee in Eau Claire has everything you need to make your holiday get-togethers extra special this year. And remember, Hy-Vee in Eau Claire is your headquarters for all of your catering needs for those work Christmas parties. From a wide selection in their meat department, bakery goods as far as the eye can see, and a massive wine and spirits department, Hy-Vee has something for everyone. Plus, get some Christmas shopping done with their new toy aisles and sports shop. Get ready for the holidays with High V. Winter is here in the Chippewa Valley, which means it's even more important to make sure you have a good vehicle to hit the winter roads of Wisconsin. Need that vehicle for this winter season? Look no further than Toyson Ford in Chippewa Falls. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV from their new or used inventory, Toyson Ford has the vehicle you're looking for. Making sure you have a good, proper working vehicle is incredibly important this winter season, and Toyson Ford knows that. Just give them a visit today at 1000 Chippewa Crossing Boulevard and visit ToysonFord.com. Welcome to the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by Hy-V and Toyson Ford. Dan Casper here with you, as always. Big thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Uh, I think you all know what we're going to be uh, hitting up here. Packers falling to the New York Giants Monday Night Football. Packers had an opportunity to go up 7-6 in, in standings-wise, get their seventh win, prove to 7-6, and six, and kind of create a little bit of a gap between them and some other teams who are competing for a postseason spot and, and to tie their division rival, uh, the uh, the Minnesota Vikings, for the, for the sixth seed. Um, anybody who listens to the radio show, you know, we, we, we hit it up. A lot of you frustrated. A lot of you with with some thoughts and and, and inputs and analysis and, and definitely showing your frustration. And, you know, I don't need to really re-hit a whole lot of that, I don't think. But I've, I felt like there was some stuff that I, I'd still – I don't know if I'm, like, still processing it or or what, but it just this, – this, this is kind of – bugging me i i don't know so i want to kind of talk it out here so i want you to join join me on this episode and join me as you're listening to this as i as i try to talk this out because maybe i'm a little bit more frustrated or or annoyed than that i thought i was gonna, i don't know but you know when i look at this game and there's so many elements to to this that i i can't point to just one thing being the obvious reason why this team lost that game Special teams blunders. You had penalties. You had Keyshawn Nixon, you know, trying to make a big play when there was no play there to be had. Offensively, Jordan Love just wasn't on. I mean, his throws were high. They were wide. Uh, the accuracy, or the inaccuracy, I should say, was 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 on display for, for Jordan Love. Um, and then, you know, the offensive line. Zach Tom, I thought, had a little bit of a rough game. Struggle there for for some protection. Defensively, again, over, allowing over 200 yards. And for them, I mean, they were initially doing a good job of slowing down and stopping Saquon Barkley. But credit to the Giants, they stuck with it, they stuck with it, they stuck with it, and ended up getting over 200 yards rushing. A lot of that because of Tommy DeVito, the running back, able to scramble and utilize his legs and hit the edge or step up in the pocket and and pick up some big gains there 
so I mean there was there was a lot of stuff and penalties, turnovers. There was a lot of crap that that happened with with this game. That and Green Bay still had a shot to win it because the Giants tried their damnedest to to give this game away. And and Green Bay had a shot taking the lead by one. You know, and with a minute and change left, but again, defense allowed the the Giants to get into field goal range, and well, there you have it. So, you know, if it were me, if it were me, and there's 99% people smarter than me when it comes to game planning and calling a football game, probably even higher than that, 99.9%. But if I were me and I was defensive corner, now to, to back it up a little bit, if you remember in the in the podcast from the day prior, the one thing I said, my biggest concern, or even in our Green and Gold Chalk Talk uh, video series, the one main concern I had was I didn't want to see Green Bay, or I didn't want to see a game like we saw Green Bay versus Pittsburgh, where Pittsburgh was just able to establish the run and, and Green Bay wasn't able to do anything about it. Even going up against Kenny Pickett and such, they weren't able to do anything about it. And we talked about, you know, quarterback rating for, for Patrick Mahomes going up against Joe Barry, and it's his worst quarterback rating. And Joe Barry's defense does well against really good quarterbacks, but you kind of have to question, do they have the same game plan going up against teams that don't have a star quarterback or don't really rely on their star quarterback? And is that where the biggest weakness is within this defense? And that game reminded me, this Giants game reminded me so much of what we saw in that Pittsburgh game. And to me, if I was defensive coordinator for for this game, and Troy Aikman even kind of mentioned it, you know, why wouldn't you load up the box? Why wouldn't you have a bunch of guys in there, eight guys in in the box? The primary, and and again, I think the, they they knew to stop the run, but I want the, how this team, and this is I'm I'm kind of at a loss for for words for for this game, but. How this team, how this Packers team did not get a single sack when DeVito was one of the most sacked guys in the last couple weeks, this offensive line from the Giants, how the Packers only got two quarterback hits and both of them came from Rashawn Gary, to me is so frustrating. It's embarrassing to see this defensive unit not able to take down Tommy DeVito, and I know they were close on one of them. Lucas Van Ness had ended up going for a yard gain or something like that, but if it were me and I was defense quarter, how am I not trying to confuse him? How am I trying not to, you know, come up with plays or schemes or calls, you know, stunts and showing blitz here and then backing off or not showing and, you know, just bringing extra pressure from the nickel slot or a safety. Why am I not being aggressive at him Loading up more guys in the box, going after him, making him uncomfortable, yet, you know, having that loaded box to stop the run. Why? Why, you know, I I don't know if it's a macho thing, an ego thing about, you know, winning one-on-ones. I think we can win our one-on-ones, so we're going to have, you know, extra guys in the back end or something. Like, I, I don't know. But if it were me and I'm playing Madden or whatever the hell it is, why wouldn't I want to be aggressive 
towards a younger quarterback and knowing that they want to run the football. I just I don't understand that. Joe Barry's stock was rising these last couple weeks. Let's be real. They were rising these last couple weeks. It took a hit in this game. It took a hit in this game. And you have to question maybe, you know, what the biggest question mark surrounding Joe Barry as a, as a coordinator is consistency, adaptability, creativity, all those all all that stuff. Like I just I to, to me it it, it, my, it boggles my mind that you knew what 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 the Giants wanted to do offensively in this game and what they were able to do because they were limited what they could do offensively. And you couldn't do anything about it. You know, DeVito goes 17 to 21 for 150 some yards. But he doesn't throw pick, doesn't get hit. He was a clean pocket. And he was able to step up. You, you, that's coaching. That that's play call. That's that's scheming right there. And I'm sure a little bit of over pursuing from the players and such. But how after the first couple times when you see Devito's like, okay, he can utilize his legs. He can step up. He can hit that edge. How you don't adjust to that? That to me was incredibly frustrating. That to, incredibly frustrating. And then offensively, I thought Matt LaFleur, again, his stock was rising. I thought he had a good last few weeks. This game, I think, got a little too predictable in a lot of instances, especially with the Jaden Reed, you know, sweeps and jet sweeps and reverses and, and you know, a couple of trick plays that didn't work out. And I know hindsight's twenty twenty, and, you know, if they did work, we're probably not talking about it and singing the praises and such, but... You know, it's at times it seeked a little desperation, and and I get it to an extent because Love was was a little inaccurate, not having his best game. You can sense the frustration from Lafleur. I think he was just trying to find something to work, trying to find something that would spark this offense, like a big play to spark the offense, and it just wasn't there. It, it wasn't there. We see it a lot. It's not just Green Bay. We see this all across the league. When teams are struggling on on the offensive side and just can't get it going, you you see that offense try to find a big play to spark their their group, and I think Lafleur tried to do that. I think he tried to call uh, a few times a play to really spark this this team, and it just didn't work out. Giants did a good job stopping it, controlling it, um, getting in the backfield to disrupt it, but it just whatever reason this offense it. It took a step back. Not having Christian Watson, I think, affected a little bit of the game plan because for how well he has been playing, you took away a deep threat. You took away a big target that can stretch the field a little bit. You already didn't have Luke Musgrave, another big target. So you're probably shortening the field a little bit there and not able to take some deep shots. But you got to adjust to that, and you can adjust to that. And I thought they kind of did a poor, poor job of that. And I think it's becoming a little predictable, too. And, hey, I, I was a proponent on it. I, I thought it was great the last couple weeks. Without Aaron Jones, you're involving Jaden Reed in the running game. And it worked for the first touchdown, right? But now it's like, okay, that's on tape a lot. That's on film a lot. You might have to adjust that a little bit. You might have to change that a little bit. Or pick your shots. Not to say completely abandon it. Because, again, it worked on one play, but may have to dial it back here a little bit because more teams are going to be prepared for that. So what else does Lafleur have in his bag of tricks? What else does he have on his call sheet 
to help out his offense because now you're you're going to be at home going up against Tampa Bay, who's also going up for a playoff spot. But here's the thing: your your wide receiving group, it's uh, it's going to take a hit because Dontavian Wicks is probably not going to play if he does have that high ankle sprain. Jane Reed's got evaluated for concussion. Christian Washington's probably not playing. Luke Musgrave's still on injured reserve. There's a very real shot that you're starting three wide receivers for this game against Tampa is Romeo Dobbs, Malik Keith, and Toure because of the the injuries in that young wide receiving group. So that puts more pressure on Matt LaFleur. Aaron Jones coming back will help, but it puts more pressure on everybody at that point in time. So and then you got special teams with with Nixon. I think part of that, and again, I'm not trying to make excuses. I just I, I have this tendency to try to get in the mindset of people and and try to figure out, okay, why did they do what they did? What were they thinking? And for for Nixon, I think it was playing. You know, he jumped on it after he muffed the putt. He jumped on it. He saw an opportunity though. Hey, nobody's around here. I can get up and, and try to make a play. You know. Offense was struggling a little bit. Let me try to make a play. Let me try to provide that spark. And a lot of times, you do more damage with that. In this case, he did more damage with that, turning the ball over instead of just staying on top of the football. And I think what's a what's a kind of a damning statistic that was mentioned in there, that special teams unit, coached by Rich Passaccia, the most penalized unit in the entire league, that, that's a damning statistic to your special teams coordinator to be the most penalized unit in the league. Now, is a lot of that because you're, you've got young guys out there playing? Yeah, probably. More than likely, yeah. You know, you know, had Anthony Johnson making a penalty. He's a rookie. But still, you, you don't want to have that. You can't have that. You can't be the most penalized team in any category. You are. That's that's coaching. At some point, that I mean, you got to look at okay, what's going on? It's coaching. Once in a while, you can you can lay the blame on the inexperience of your players, but at some point, you know, especially in a, in a statistic in a category like penalties, that's discipline that's discipline now i i understand coaches can only do so much to you know they can't go out there and hold the hand of players and tell them not to do this there is some responsibility that lies on the players because they are the ones out on the field doing the plays making the plays committing the penalties but that's got to be hammered on it's like the chiefs lining up off sides that's coaching you got to coach and if and and you know, for, for, if the player isn't taking the coaching, why are you throwing them out there? Why are you putting them out there if they're not taking that coaching? No, you know, not to fully. I I don't want to give the impression that I'm, and I know I probably am, but I don't want to say it's 100% on coaching because some of the blame has to rely on the players because the players are committing those penalties. But if it's a consistent thing and it's a common theme, then you got to start putting that blame on the coaching. Because either something's not connecting with a player, something's not working, you're coaching the wrong thing, or you're just continuing 
to put them in that position to commit penalties. So looking back again, not even 24 hours after after the game yet, it was a very annoying game to watch. It was a very frustrating game to watch. We probably should have expected a game like this to rear its ugly head. And I know there's some people that are sick and tired of the young and inexperienced excuse. Well, facts are facts. They are inexperienced. They are young. Have they gotten better as the season's gone along? Yes, they have. Have they gained experience as the season has gone along? Yes, they have. But a lot of these guys, too, a lot of these rookies, they at most maybe have played 11, 12 games in a season. They've already surpassed that. That's where a lot of times you see rookies, once they get past those 11, 12 games, and we didn't even talk about the preseason games yet or add those in, but once you get that, you start to see some rookies kind of trail off. It's new. It's like anybody that goes into a, a new job. I don't care that while you're in the NFL, you should be playing at a high level regardless if you're a rookie or a youngster. Stop. Stop. In any day, in any situation in life, you go into something new, your first year on your job, you're probably not going to be as good as you are going to be three years down the line. Probably not going to happen. And I know some people aren't going to like that comparison because it's a sport and all that. Facts are facts. The inexperience is going to pop its head probably a few more times in these last four games of the regular season or in the postseason if they get there. It's going to happen. I know some don't like the whole young and inexperienced excuse anymore. And at certain points, yes, you have a case for that. At certain points in the game, you have a case for that. But facts are facts. That inexperience is going to show its head again a few more times this year. It'll get better as they gain that more experience, as they gain playing time. It's just it's it's a reality. So you can you can sit there and say that you don't buy it or that's a that's a lame excuse, but it's a fact. It's a fact because you know what? We're all freaking human. You're better the more you do something. You're better with repetition. You're better by experience, by playing more. fact i know it's frustrating i know you don't like to to use it as an excuse but it's true and you know with that game last night green bay had a hell of an opportunity in front of them and i I don't want to make an excuse for for why they lost because it was bad it was ugly it was inexcusable green bay had a hell of an opportunity in front of them last night to separate themselves a little bit to kind of prove that, hey, win against Kansas City wasn't a fluke. Detroit wasn't a fluke. You know, that sort of, there was confidence rolling. Jordan Love was playing well. Everybody loves Green Bay. What was the talk from the national media last week? Don't know if uh, any NFC team wants to play Green Bay. Was this team a team that read their own headlines? Again, inexperience comes into play there. Coaches can say, hey, don't read Twitter slash X or Facebook. They don't go home with them at night. That's up to the player to utilize self-control there. 
Did they start to read their own headlines a little bit? Start to buy in a little bit? Maybe. They had a hell of an opportunity. And they dropped it. They wasted it, especially on Sunday with the Rams losing and the Seahawks losing. Green Bay dropped the ball. They failed. Coaching failed. Players failed. The whole team failed. But you know what? They still control their destiny right now. They have got to learn from this game. They have got to learn. Players have to look at themselves and be like, what did, what, what went wrong? What did I do? Coaches have to look at this like, what did we do wrong in preparation? What did we do wrong in game planning? Matt LaFleur was exactly right after that Kansas City game. When he was asked about you know, the success and how to handle it, and he, had, he, he was exactly right. He said, this league will humble you quick. Boy, I guarantee you a lot of those players are humbled after that game. And I bet you a lot of those coaches are humbled after that game too. Green Bay should have won that game heading into it on paper. You looked at everything, the way these teams were playing. Green Bay should have won that game. Shouldas don't win you games, though. you got to go out there and perform. And Green Bay didn't perform on any phase. Any phase, they didn't perform. And it's incredibly disappointing. It's incredibly disappointing because they had a hell of an opportunity in front of them. But at the same time, Maybe we shouldn't be too surprised because man, we kind of saw this in October. We knew there was going to be some waves up and down. But I think a lot of the frustration part, too, is that the Giants really tried to give it back to Green Bay. And they couldn't capitalize on that. All right, that's going to do it on a quick episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Again, big thanks to, to everybody tuning in, checking us out. If you wouldn't mind, though, just a few seconds if you haven't done so, five-star rating like on Spotify or a positive, or on Apple and a, a positive review like on Apple too. I would really, really, really appreciate that. Big thanks, everybody. Uh, big thanks to Hy-Vee, Toyson Ford for, for sponsoring the podcast. But until next time, I'm Dan Casper, and I will talk to you on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast.